This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair because it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Check your show, we're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Checky Show. Hey there. Hey, did you call? I'm calling you back. Oh, uh, I did call, as a matter of fact. You did? Yes. Well, this is, uh, you know who I am, then, obviously. Uh, well, actually, I was going to say I placed several calls today, so um, if you could just enlighten me as to which one you are, I'd you be are happy to. You are annoying my guard dog. I see. Well. Okay. Now that that's over with. Oh, boy. You have annoyed the dog. I think perhaps you've annoyed the dog. Let me call you back. i got to take care of something. Oh. Okay, uh, yes, I'm calling you back. Oh, okay, I didn't even hear the phone ring. That's, that's so because I have a new invention that I sell. That's one of the things <clears throat> I sell, but that's not why I'm calling you. Okay, why? I have why? a different business. Okay. And this is uh, Bobby's uh, Botanicals and uh, Toboggan Repair. I see. Apparently, you are my first customer. Uh-huh, well, as it is the winter season, perhaps I called you about toboggan repair, however... You sure I can interest you in a fine botanical? Uh, well, you know, it is a product. Three degree. Oh, product. The botanical I product. I see. Are you? Uh, you know, like candles and stuff. You know, you know religious product. You know, uh, incense. It's called money. What? What? You want some incense called money? Incense called money. No, I just prefer the sandalwood. Uh, occasionally. Uh, but I'm not into any of the weird smells like, uh, say, the Nag Champa. Oh, no, no. We don't sell that. That's for hippies. Thank we got God. We got stuff that brings you money. You burn this and it's supposed to bring money. I That's see. That's why it's called money. All right. Well, uh, uh... We have another one that attracts women, but I'm not going to tell you what that one's called. Is it called women? No. Unfortunately, oh. it's more vulgar than, vulgar than that. I see. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, we're very literal with our sense. I see. Well... Well, good for you. I hope that works out for you. Uh, I don't need any botanical products. Can I stop off at Sea Town for you and pick up some no-name brand soda? Well, you know, uh, I live in upstate New York now, so Sea Town is quite a haul from here. How about some 99-cent cat litter? No, but I used to frequent the uh, Goya Isle in Sea Town. Ah, Goya Isle. They had a Isle, lot of I the... Like I like a lippies. Why? Because a nice like a papaya nectar. Uh-huh. Okay. Who let that guy in here? Get that guy out of here. He's a homeless <laughs> Japanese guy. What uh-huh. the hell is this? Well, I'm going to cut this portion of the show right now because it went nowhere. Whoa, whoa. We still don't haven't talked about your toboggan. I don't have a toboggan, which is why... Well, I don't sell toboggans. I repair them. Well, I don't have one to repair. What kind of a maniac would sell a toboggan in this day and age? I don't know. Perhaps there are people who sell them. Ah. Well, when you find them, tell them that their customers should see me when they break. Mm. I I feel like if a toboggan breaks, if I'm not mistaken, it's just 
pretty much one sheet with a curl at the end. So if that breaks, uh, there are, there is rope and cushions involved. Oh, okay. Well, you have on. to have rope and cushions. A rope see. steers and cushions prevents you from hurting yourself. I see. Well, I don't. You I know don't. what the toboggans always lacked? Brakes. Brakes. What well, is that? What kind of a device is this? No steering and no brakes. I think it's a primitive snow. Who device. invented this? Indians? I don't that know. That sounds Indian. Toboggan. Does it? Toboggan or no, not toboggan. Is this, are you trying to get me to look up the origin of toboggan? Never. Trinidad and toboggan. Uh-huh. Eh, that's the name of my store. We sell Trinidadian tobo- uh, botanicals. And uh, if this hasn't got everyone to tune out already, I don't know what will. I, why is that something that you are aspiring to? I don't know. It's just absolute nonsense. Probably five minutes of utter nonsense. Uh, it is a simple sled traditionally used by children. It is also a traditional form of transport used by the Innu and Cree of northern Canada. Well, it's like an Eskimo device. I knew it. Do you knew it? What's that yellow thing? That's called a bum slider. Now, um, I will say that once again, you are not allowed to look at the screen during the shows. Well, that's a gem. I mean, a bum slider? It's a bum slider. I thought those were called flying saucers. No, because those are the round ones. Those are the disc ones. I can't see it clearly, and I'm not allowed to look further. You shouldn't be looking. I'm not looking. This is in the shape of an ass. Oh, they should call it the Betty Boop. Okay. That would be Betty Boop's face. You know. All right. Uh, are we done? Yes. Has, should I edit all of this out? Yes. Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode 102? That sounds about right. Episode 102 of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super terrific podcast featuring your pals, Decaf Rob and Venetian Jenny. <laughs> okay, and uh, where did you come up with these? That's off the top of my head, baby. Uh, groovy. <laughs> All right. Venetian Jenny. I am, am I from Venus or am I from uh, Venice? I think you're from Venice. I see. The and uh, you're like a blend of quality beans, coffee beans. I see. It's a Venetian blend. Which uh, Venice? I am decaf raw because I have had one too many nights over the line. Mm-hmm. I was not always decaf raw. I was once cocaine Bobby. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Thank you. You're you're welcome. Uh Anyway, um, we are, uh, like I said, episode 102. I'll be embarrassed if it's not 102, but I'm pretty sure it is. And today we're going back to our year series. Ah, wonderful, wonderful random series. Yes, where we just pick a year and uh, discuss it. We've uh, previously done um, 1969 and 1985. Hey, we're fucking hip, man. So, uh, what is this? A Brian Adams song? This is this is going to be all about 1977. Three, two, happy 
Hey now, I got three things for you. All right. Star Wars. Boom. Son of Sam. Boom. Brick House. Hiya. Wow. Well, that concludes this episode of the Middle Age Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast. You don't. We were supposed to ease into things. You just, on down the you've line. just shouted out three huge things having to do with 1977. Well, what else do we got in 1977? Jimmy Carter. True Jimmy, enough. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter? Y- yes, Jimmy Carter is true enough. Did we have uh, a gasoline crisis? Or was that 73? Okay. Come so, on, let me skip ahead. Do you want to just guess everything or should we discuss anything? I see. Well, that was a good year. Or music. All right. Would you like to f- discuss the top 10 songs from 1977? I would, but tell me something. All right. Is You Make Me Feel Like Dancing part of it? You make me feel like dancing. I want to dance tonight away. You make me feel like dancing. I want to dance tonight away. You make me feel It's not part of the top 10. Well, maybe it's the wrong year, but any list that doesn't have that in that year is mistaken. You make me feel like dancing. I will go ahead with the spoiler alert and let you know. 1976. No. Eight. Sorry. (sighs) What? (laughs) You make me feel like dancing by Leo Sayer was number 13 overall. In oh. 1977. Oh, man. See? They just didn't get it. It was not number 10. Okay, well, uh, Steve Gadd is brilliant on that track. Excellent. That's all I'm going to say. Now, what else I'm going to say is, uh-huh. you take it away. Uh, okay. So, you're ready for the top 10 Hot 100 singles of 1977, according to Billboard. Yeah. Now, before we do that, uh-huh. where does Rick Dees play into this? Okay. This... David, huh? you are killing me. These nuts. You are killing me. I was me. trying to set up a joke for you, but okay, never mind. Go I, ahead. I don't. We don't need a these nuts joke right. in every episode. Sorry. All right. Number ten. Torn between two lovers. Feeling by, like a fool. By Mary McGregor. Torn between two lovers. Feeling like a I don't know who that is, but that sounds racist. Mary McGregor? Oh, I thought you said something else. Never mind. But let me ask you something. I don't like you. What? What? Who is she? Because I had never heard of that woman. She's the woman who sang Torn Between Two Lovers. Whatever. Let's hear her background. What's her history? She is an American singer, best known for singing the 1976 Torn Between Two Lovers, which topped the Billboard charts for two weeks. Two weeks in 1976. That was... A one long year for 1976 and 7. How is this 1977? This is the 1977 chart. I hate to tell you, but... Oh, so she stayed on the charts after she did that for two weeks? That's right. Hey, now. Okay, are you all right with that? Footnote. Are we going to spend 20 minutes on every song? Probably. Who's next? Number nine, one of my favorites. And I'm sure you'll shit all over it because... Who is this, Rex Smith? It doesn't have Leo Sayer, or not Leo Sayer. It doesn't have Steve Gadd on it. Oh. Number nine. You sure? He was on a lot of tracks. Well, maybe you'll surprise me. All right. Number nine. 
Alan O'Day, and Undercover Angel. So which song is this again? Undercover Angel. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I will tell you this much. Yes. Uh, it's not Steve Gadd, okay. but I believe it is Jeff Picaro. Really? And I also believe it's Lillian Sklar on bass. So put that in your pipe of session musicians and stoke it. That is Jeff Picaro on drums. Okay. I don't see anywhere where it says that, but I will, I will defer to your musical knowledge. I love that song. That's one of the ones... Uh, that song's a pretty interesting uh, tune there, actually, because it's very poppy, but it has a hint of uh, funk to it. And for two seconds, it sounds like a Stevie Wonder song. Interesting. Okay. All right. Good changes in that tune. All right. So you didn't shit on my... No, no. That's a good one. Okay. Number eight. Yeah. Rita Coolidge. Rita Coolidge. And your love has lifted me higher. And That's some southern gospel shit. It is, isn't it? Who's on that one? That's Rita Coolidge. Wait, who's the musicians? It doesn't say. She was Jim Gordon's girlfriend many years ago. Oh, God bless him. Uh, let's see. Mike Baird on drums. Oh, okay. Uh, L.A. Session Cat. So, is it Lee Sklar on bass? It is Leland Sklar on bass. <laughs> Amazing. That guy's on everything. Well, I, so that's <laughs> 1977, number nine and eight, both have Lee Sklar on bass so far. There you go. All right. What's numbers? Or was that eight? That was eight. What's number seven? Number seven, Thelma Houston. And don't leave me this way. She's like what? A gospel singer who turned disco or something? I don't know much about her. I just know the song. All right. Thelma what? Houston. No relation to... Whitney. Don't Leave Me This Way was covered by American singer Thelma Houston in 1976. Originally assigned to Diana Ross, it was intended to be the follow-up to her single, Love, Hangover, but was reassigned and given to Houston instead. All right. Let's shuffle along to number six. Number six. I Like Dreamin' by Kenny Nolan. I like dreaming. That one? Let's see. It's like a corny folk rock. Kermit the Frog should be singing it. Oh, gifted composers I know. He's done a lot of things for a lot of people. Songs for discotheques and Frankie Valley and Love Bell. I'm so glad he's doing his own thing now. This is a biggie. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kenny Nolan. <laughs> Thank you. 
looks like he could be easily replaced by Kermit the Frog. I like dreaming Cause dreaming can make you mine I like dreaming Closing my eyes And feeling fine When the lights go down It's poor man's Barry Manilow This guy I don't remember that song at all, do you? Yeah, that's why I said I like dreaming I think you're, you're on... You're hitting it on the head with the Kermit thing. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. That's one of those ballads that I actually didn't mind as a kid. I usually hated slow songs, but that one I, I didn't hate. He's got a on this clip from American Bandstand. He is wearing a green leisure suit, so it doesn't get more 1977 than Kenny Nolan appearing on American Bandstand. I gotta be honest. I don't know what happened to him, but. Man, I don't really think I know his name. Kenny Nolan. Alive and well, living in Los Angeles. Uh, currently age 71. You probably did a lot of jingles and stuff. In the 90s, he wrote Masterpiece, which became a crossover hit for another soul band, Atlantic Star. I've heard of him. So, uh... He sang a few songs, and then I guess he wrote a few songs. All right. Well, good for you, Mr. Nolan. Good Where for you. you. Glad Kermit. to see you're doing well. You Kermity bastard. You Kermity bastard. No, I mean, I just could... He almost sounds a little like Kermit. Like, you could see Kermit singing the song. Yes. Absolutely. That's kind of funny. All right. Um, number five. Hot. With that's the song. Not the name of a song. No, that's the name of the band. Oh, that's even worse. The name of the song is Angel in Your Arms. Uh, I feel like I know that one too. Let the angel in your arms this morning mm. be the devil in someone else's arms tonight. Okay, now that's weird. <laughs> I don't know what, is that a country song? Uh, no, it was just, see this song was definitely on my, um, that one I don't know. Really? Mm-hmm. Even after I just sang it so well? Mm-hmm. Why did you laugh? Because it didn't help. You just made me very upset. Sure, there's nothing about your singing. It's I think it's totally about my singing. Hot. Well, those people look like they are a cocaine band. <laughs> it's just three chicks. Yeah. Let the angel in your heart. No, it sounds like it should have been a Dolly Parton song. Angel in Your Arms is a song composed by Herbie Clayton Ivy, Terrence Woodford, and Tom Brosfield, Brosfield, which was a 1977 top hit for Hot, also a top 10 country and western 1985 hit for Barbara Mandrell. Yeah, because Dolly Parton passed it up because she was too busy working on 9 to 5. It's a genre-jumping pop smasher. Is hot white people? <laughs> you sound like butthead. <laughs> <laughs> Is hot white people? 
uh, Hot, I believe, was a multicultural. Hot was a vocal trio based in Los Angeles, California, whose membership was Gwen Owens, Kathy Carson, and Juanita Curiel. So uh, I think they're probably a, like all background singers. Who some producer put a, together a group with them. That's my take. No woman would say, "I'm putting here the trio, and we're going to call it Hot." So that's a man put that band together. Hot, I got a band for you. It's called Hot. Now here's your cocaine. Play the record. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Fair enough. I never heard it. Apparently, the song was taken the industry by storm for the for a ten year period, but I never heard of it. That's really weird. It was on my '77 KTEL record. Interesting. So that's what that's I mean, it's not why I know it, but maybe it's why I know it even better, because that was an album that I I played and played and played. I I loved that record. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Number four. Number four. Barbara Streisand. Oh Jesus. Evergreen. I don't the know. Love theme from A Star is Born. Oh, I guess I know it. I've never seen anyone do that with the headphone. Soft as an easy chair. Love fresh as the morning air. Yeah, I heard it. God, what's that? I think it's Chris Christopherson. With you. Gonna shit it up. I can't even sing. Like he doesn't sing on this. What does he do? Stare at her? Under this, the is... <laughs> this is from the movie. Oh, oh. <laughs> what a creep. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie is that, right? Oh, I hated the movie. This and you light up my life. No good. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Debbie Boone? Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, but Didi Khan. Everybody loves her. Every if you don't love Didi Khan, you are a, a You're traitor a fucking to the nation. Dropout if you don't love her. You're a traitor to the nation if you don't love her. I'm telling you right now. Is she James Khan's kid? I'll Never call the Maryland. police. Huh? What? She related to James or Marilyn? No, it's C O N N. Oh, like the saxophone. No. I wouldn't know that. No, I'm just guessing. It is the name of a saxophone. Do you have anything to say about this no, song? No, she's a great singer, but I got nothing to say about it. I, I hate this kind of stuff. Okay. Schmaltzy shit ballad. Yeah, she. This is. there was a good 20-year period where she was all over the place. I like her more in the 60s. Yeah? I don't okay. like her at all, actually. <laughs> I think she, I liked it when she sang, but then she kind of, it seems like she got full of herself. I got to tell you, I think the only thing I like her in is Yentl. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm anti-Yentl. Hey, Manny Patankin. Patankin. Yeah, I liked him better in uh, Princess Bride. All right. I'm a big Yentl fan. 
Are you? I modeled really? my whole ch- upbringing. Well, my whole childhood was based on Yantos. Shut up. So sorry. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for number three? Yes. These are really flying by, aren't they? No, they are not. Oh. <laughs> number three. Yeah. The emotions. Best of my love. It's almost like rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Okay. Do not rock the boat. What do you think about the emotions and best of my love? I don't think well, it was on my 77 emotions, hotel. That sounds like a group. That sounds like a doo-wop group that just kept going. Uh, years active, 1962. R&B, soul, disco, pop, and gospel. The emotions are an American Grammy award-winning soul R&B vocal group from Chicago. Yeah, that's a band. That's a name that comes out of the early 60s that's not they didn't i see what you're saying the group started out in gospel music but transitioned into r&b and disco music the emotions they were named by vh1 as one of the 18 most influential girl groups of all times what do we got next number two okay mr andy gibb i just want to be your everything yeah, I'm not a fan of that song. You're not? No. Is that on Saturday Night Fever? Uh, no, but it is written by Barry Gibb. Now, which song did he have that was actually funky? Uh, I Just Want to Be Your Everything. No, he's got another one. Doesn't he? This one sounds exactly like Bee Gees. The other song he has is oh, Love no. is Thicker Than Water. No. It's this one. Is, this one is funky. Is it? It sounds like it's the the Bee Gees. Yep, this is for so long. You and me been finding each other for so, so long. What? He was never in the Bee Gees. No. Why does he sound like the Bee Gees? Because he's the brother. How much younger was he than the other guys? How much younger was he than the other guys? I think he's their, definitely their baby brother by, uh, let's see. Let me not speculate. He was born in 58. All right, so he's 10 years younger than the other guys, maybe. Uh, let's see. Barry Gibb was born in 46. So he's 12 years older than him. Uh, Robin was born in 49. And... Maurice or Morris was born in 14. Oh, that's right. Those guys are twins. I forgot. Ah. Robin and Morris. Well, who's still alive? Just I think Barry is the only one. Barry Gibb. The oldest one. Interesting. The oldest one is the only one left. Isn't that a shame? Well, it is what it is. Now, what is, uh, What's our next one? Number one. Hey, now. Are you ready? I'm thinking so, yes. Any guesses? 
1977, number one. I don't know. No guess. Number one, Rod Stewart. You make me feel like dancing? Tonight's the night. Ugh. Come on. Those lyrics are horrible in that song. Tonight's the night. It's going to be it's, right. like, it's disgusting. Let me ask you something. Okay. What are those lyrics about? Tonight's the night. Everything's going to be all right. Sounds like an old guy talking to a 17-year-old. According to Dan Peek of America, Stewart's inspiration for Tonight's the Night was America's top 30 hit, Today's the Day. <laughs> Peek recalls that one evening when he and his guest Rod Stewart were playing together in Peek's home recording studio, I played Today's the Day, the song I had been working on. Rod said that he liked it and that it gave him an idea for a song. Of course, after his recording of Tonight's the Night came out, I laughed when I remembered what he'd said. I'm sure I probably smacked my forehead and said, why didn't I think of that? The song features a French spoken part from Britt Eklund, who was Stewart's girlfriend at the time, while primarily recorded at Muscle Shoals, the final vocal was recorded at Caribou Ranch Studios, where Stuart, Eklund, and producer Tom Dowd spent several days. Caribou Ranch—that's where they recorded all the James—I Ga- mean, all the Joe Walsh early stuff. The high altitude result was a vocal an octave higher than sea-based versions. Some radio stations play edits of the song, shortening the coda as well as the whispers because they were deemed to be too suggestive for airplay, where the songs could be banned from being played on the air. The saxophone solo is by Jerry Jumanville. Right now. You know that person? No, but with a name like that, I'm sure he got a lot of work. (laughs) Apparently. Let me tell you something. All right. The song's creepy. Okay. Number one song in 77 is creepy. All right. You know what else is a creepy song? Do You Think I'm Sexy. You know what else is a creepy song? Maggie Mae. You know what else is creepy? Every fucking song that guy sings. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not like Rod Stewart? I don't like Rod Stewart. You know what I'm talking about? The only time I like Rod Stewart is in the Jeff Beck group in the 1960s. Other than that, I don't like Rod Stewart at all. He's a creep. All right. Well, you can think he's a creep. That's fine. That rumor about him with the semen in his stomach, I think it's based on something. Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't either, but I'm just saying, the guy's I, creepy. When we were little, these rumors got around, and they were just so outlandish. There was just no way that they could be true. Frank Zappa ate poop on stage. Did he? No. See? Well, there you go. There you go. He did not eat poop on stage. I never even heard that that was a rumor. I want to eat poop on stage. My new album. I just want to say that we came into this episode to do 1977. I thought this was just all about the music, man. No. Oh, so there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in 1977. All right, what do we got next? What do we got next? All right. 
top grossing movies. I think you've already uh, you already hit on one. All right. <clears throat> Number ten, The Spy Who Loved Me. My name is Bond, James Bond. Since we first met, you've joined me on nine of my missions. My latest, and if I'm not careful, my last assignment will take me to new heights of adventure. New depths of danger. And new areas of excitement. I have a message for you. I think you're just a little bit. I will come to grips with my most formidable adversaries, be up against the most fascinating women, and handle some of the most fantastic equipment you've ever seen. It won't be easy. <gasps> but every job has its rewards. In this case, it's the spy who loved me. Yeah, Roger Moore. A James Bond. I like that one. I like the song. Uh-huh. I like that. I often say that this, this song Wait. and Live and Let Die are my two favorite. Is that Carly Simon? Yes. All right. My two favorite Bond songs. Nobody does it better? That's right. That's Sounds right. like a beer commercial. Okay. Not bad. I'm just saying it's very catchy. Number nine. Huh? Number nine movie of 1977? Oh, okay. I thought I was up. I'm what? at the deli counter here. Number oh. nine. I'll take a roast beef and Swiss. The Deep. Who will solve the mystery of The Deep? Robert Shaw. You've only got three minutes. Jacqueline Bissett. Something's got my up. Nick Nolte. There's treasure down there, you know. I know. I got a feeling, so I gotta go walk. Louis Gossett. Forced me to take, but you would not let me pay for. Eli Wallach. Morphine. 98,000 ampules. Is anything worth the terror of The Deep? Rated PG. Oh, that movie with Jacqueline Bissett. Yes. And some smuggling drug ring. I, I remember went, that one. I went to that one. So this is the thing. I it wasn't went very good. With my friend Robin and her brother Stanley. Robin Quivers? No. Oh. And uh, Blank. Her last name was Blank. Oh, was she related to Mel? I, I, I don't know. But no, because it was with a K. Did she have a sister named Felina? It was just Robin. Felina Blank? It was Robin Stanley, and she had a brother who's, I'm blanking on his name. But anyway, Stanley was like the older brother, and somehow he got roped to take, roped in and taking me and Robin to the movie theater. And in Dover, New Jersey, there was a beautiful old movie theater. Just, just beautiful old movie theater. And we went and saw The Deep, and I think we thought it was going to be like, uh, Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. And it was like, it was way beyond me and it was pretty dirty at times. I think there was nipples. Uh, yeah. It was really. It wasn't a good movie it, though. It was not a movie for 10 year olds to be seeing with her 15 or 60 year old brother. It was fucking absurd. I, I think it was rated R perhaps. I just remember thinking, I don't like this movie. It's weird. <laughs> It wasn't, I don't recall it being a very good movie, actually. Uh, well, there's number nine that year. Number eight. So, okay. What, you wanted to say something no, more? No, go on. You I'll can, I don't care. No, I'll go on now. Number eight, A Bridge Too Far. I don't even know what that is. We've paid for that bridge and we're going to collect. We're going to fly 35,000 men 300 miles and drop them behind enemy lines. It'll be the largest airborne operation ever mounted. 
quite frankly, this kind of thing's never been attempted before. We shall seize the bridges, it's all a question of bridges, with thunderclap surprise, and hold them until they can be secured. And we go next Sunday. Seven days? The sooner we go, the better. We've got them on the run. Josephine Levine presents A Bridge Too Far. Based on Cornelius Ryan's international bestseller. The story of the most dramatic and devastating battle of World War II. Is that Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone was in a war movie. What was that one called? Maybe. I think it was a war movie. I feel like he was playing soccer or something. Oh, victory. Yeah, that wasn't very good either. Uh, that I don't, I don't, re- I don't think I went and saw that. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of war movies. I just, they just don't interest me. I like to go and have fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see what this bridge too far is. Uh, Operation Market Garden, September 1944. The Allies attempt to capture several strategically important bridges in the Netherlands in hope of breaking the German lines. Jeepers. So, uh... Fun stuff. Yeah. Who's in that one? Sean Connery, Ryan O'Neill, Michael Caine. Ah. One of those monster ones. They were trying to compete with Deer Hunter. Maybe. Which hadn't come out yet. Thank you very much. Okay. But it was that kind of thing. All right. Next. Uh... Uh, yeah. All right. Number seven. Oh, God. Hello out there. This is God again. I just thought you'd like to know how my new movie, Oh, God, starring George Burns and John Denver, turned out. I'm a big hit. Sacco, Buffo, rave reviews and long lines at the box office. Who would have thought in 1977 God would be so big? I haven't heard that much praise since I parted the Red Sea. Oh God, from Warner Brothers, rated PG. Now playing. I like that one. That was funny. It was funny, wasn't it? Yes, that's a good one. And I also like uh, Oh God, Book Two. Was that what it was called? I don't like any of them that didn't have John Denver in them. Oh God, it's you. Oh God, Book Two. Something like that. Oh God, Book Two. I think uh, I had somebody else in there. George Burns was good. He's very good. I even like George Burns with that kid in that movie where they exchange bodies or something. What was that? Did they? Is that one? Am I right? Eight, uh... The kid with the he was like smoking a cigar. Wasn't it Kirk Cameron? Was it? It was quite know. quite absurd when I saw it many Let's years see. ago. I'm gonna say it was good, but it was certainly funny. I think it was with the start of a gazillion of those types of of shows, right? Yeah, it was like... Like a Freaky Friday? Precursor to Big. Well, I guess Freaky Friday was the start of all that. Right. Uh, let's see. 18 again. Yes. Okay, go on. Next stop. Next next movie. Number six. In Search of Noah's Ark. Oh, my God. What is it with the religious movies in 1977? There is a mountain in eastern Turkey known as Mount Ararat. It's a beautiful mountain, towering 17,000 feet above the Turkish frontier. It is also the mountain believed by many to hold one of mankind's greatest mysteries. For ever since man first began to write, it has been written that Mount Ararat was the landing place of Noah's Ark. 
The motion picture you are about to see will attempt to unravel this 5,000-year-old mystery. We'll try to determine if the story of Noah is true and if the ark, in fact, does rest on the slopes of Mount Ararat. This is an investigation into the theory that Mount Ararat in Turkey is the final resting place of Noah's Ark. That's the, the number what movie? That was the number six movie for all of 1977. I find that so hard to believe. That's insanity. Okay. But okay. It only gets a 4.7 out of 10 from IMDb. I mean, what? Are, who? what is that? How could that... How was that number seven, 1977? Um, Didn't fucking Spielberg have a movie out that year? No. Yes. And his is number two. All right. All right. Number five. Yeah. A movie that I very much liked. Yes. The Goodbye Girl. Thank you, Neil Simon, for one of this year's best films, Time Magazine. He's moving in. She's not moving out. Make it fast. I sublet this apartment. Good night. It's not exactly love at first sight. Five minutes. The only practical solution is that we share the apartment. Richard Dreyfuss. And I don't like the panties drying on the rod. And Marsha Mason. You are just too weird to live with. Neil Simon's The Goodbye Girl, rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. Oh, I like that one. Classic. It is classic. Classic Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Naked Dreyfus with a guitar. That's all I remember. Dreyfus had a great few years after Jaws. Yeah. I will say. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, number four. All right. Smokey and the Bandit. Jackie Gleason is Sheriff Buford T. Justice, and he's looking for Burt Reynolds, Jerry Reed, and 400 cases of bootleg beer. I gotta barbecue your... What we're dealing with here... Is a complete lack of respect for the law. See Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Jackie Gleason in Smokey and the Bandit. Rated Starts Friday at your favorite theater. Check your local newspaper for the one nearest you. Ah, that's a good one. That's, oh, that's an excellent one. I like uh, Gleason. Dude, being a kid in 1977 and seeing Smokey and the Bandit, that's just a fucking treat. Number... Three, a movie I did not like. A movie I think is terrible. Well, what is it? Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> you know how many times somebody told me I was good in my life? Two, two, twice. This raised today in dance, dance at the disco. His name is Tony Manero. Every guy wants to dance like him. He's very good, huh? He's the best. Hey, man, he's great. Every girl wants to be with him. John Travolta is Tony Manero in Saturday Night Fever. Catch it. Rated R. I'm surprised that wasn't uh, number two. You won't be when you hear what number two is. All right, what's number two? Saturday Night Fever is so shitty, so terribly acted, so terribly edited. The story is terrible. Everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. It is the worst number three top grossing movie of 1977 of all time is my... That is my opinion. All right. Well, it had some amusing moments. Yeah, the rape. The rape is amusing. I love the rape. Yeah. No. Anyway, uh, it's just a terrible movie. It's not be even beyond that. It's just terrible. The only good thing about it is Angie, and she got her own series not long after that, and I loved her. All right. Number two. 
Top grossing movie of 1977, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the experience of an ordinary man shared by people from all over the world, drawn to a single spot by a compulsion they don't understand to witness the most dramatic event in the history of the human race. And when the communication begins, it is fantastic. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Another Richard Dreyfus, so he had a really good now that will pay for a lot of cocaine. What? Two number ten box office hits in the same year. You think Dreyfus was on the cocaine? Do I think? Yeah, but yeah. Why do you say that? Because it's a known fact. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. I don't know these things. The man was over the top. At one point, he passed out driving his car in in Beverly Hills or something, L.A. and. uh, Smashed into a telephone pole. All right. Well, things happen. Well, they did happen. I see. Well, uh, also, there was this a little trouble with Kevin Spacey and uh, Dreyfus's son. So maybe he was hopped up then, too. I don't know. He's always hopped up. He's irresponsible. It doesn't make him a bad actor. No, it doesn't. He's an excellent actor. I can't take that away from him. Number one, as you already guessed in the first 30 seconds of this episode, Star Wars. Star Wars. It is more than just a successful movie. It is a box office phenomenon. The film is breaking attendance records all over the country. Not since Jaws have so many people stood in line to see a movie. Alan Ladd Jr., an executive at 20th Century Fox, whose film it is, talked about the reasons for its appeal. I think it's just good and evil. The simplicity of the the whole story is what really makes it work. it's a fantasy, and uh, I think we all grew up in a fantasy world, and I think that, that it works on that level. Star Wars cost $9 million to produce. It will bring in at least 10 times that amount. As a result, the price of 20th Century Fox stock has doubled in the last two weeks. There are no sex scenes in Star Wars. Unlike Jaws, it doesn't frighten people. It's just an old-fashioned cowboy movie set in space with mind-boggling special effects. It's old-fashioned, escapist entertainment, pure and simple, with no moral, no message. And it appears this is what just about everybody in the country is in the mood for. Douglas Kiker, NBC News, Washington. Yeah, and I'm more into the one that was a spoof of it where they had the vacuum cleaner. Spaceballs. No, it was like a low-budget short. And they had like you appliances flying around. You don't know what I'm talking about? Appliances? Hardware Wars? I think that might be it. Hardware Wars. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll kiss three bucks goodbye. Coming soon to a theater near you. Get in line now. May the forest be with you. Hardware Wars is a 1978 short film parody of a teaser trailer for the science fiction film Star Wars. The 13-minute film, which was released almost 18 months after Star Wars, mainly consisted of inside jokes and visual puns that heavily depended upon audience familiarity with the original. The theme song is Richard Wagner's famous Ride of the Valkyries. I believe it had like yeah, 
vacuum cleaners and that. I think almost like a. Uh, I bet the people who did a science, mystery science theater saw that and were influenced by it. A household steam iron flies through space, fleeing a toaster which fires toast at it. Exactly. Two ro- two robots named 4Q2, who look like the Tin Man from the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz, and Artie Deco, a canister vacuum cleaner, escape from the evil empire. There you go. All you right. never saw that. I have never seen this. Oh, it's all animated. It's absurd. It uh, had a budget of 8000 and made a million. Wow. That's There's, insane. That's successful. Damn successful. Good for them. I all will right. uh, link it and I will watch it. Uh, all right. What's our next uh, area of 1977? Well, I was going to talk about the top 10 shows. Broadway? No, not Broadway. Oh, when you say show, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, TV. I don't like you, Dave. We're not friends. Well, I'm serious. You said shows. I thought you meant fucking Broadway over here. I didn't. I didn't mean fucking Broadway over here. All right. Broadway show. Us. Huh? You're upsetting. All right, I got one for you. Let me pick one out. 1977. Hold on. I got the show right here. Know what it's called? What is it? Soap. Number 10. Okay. One Day at a Time. Ah, Klinger. No, I mean uh, Schneider. I did not like One Day at a Time. Oh, I kind of liked it. You did? I didn't mind it. I liked Little Valerie Bertinelli, and then I liked, uh, what's his name? Caleb's friend. Glenn Scarpelli. Glenn Scarpelli. Uh, but I, I didn't, I didn't like, I did not like Bonnie Franklin. I and I suppose like you didn't like Mackenzie Phillips. I didn't mind Mackenzie Phillips. I just didn't like Bonnie Franklin. She was a little, I, I don't know, something, there was something off-putting about her that I could not, at my age of 10, I could not get behind her. She had a bad attitude. She was, I don't know what it was, honestly. I don't know what it was. I didn't like her. So I didn't, I wasn't a, a big fan of that show. Number eight was a tie. MASH and Alice. MASH should be number one. Alice can stay where it is. I see. Uh, okay. I liked Alice. It was good. I liked Alice. Uh, it, was, it was one of the shitty ones, but it was good. The thing that was good about it was Vic Tabak. Yeah, and then that other lady, Kiss My Grits. I remember when we were little, we used to say, Kiss My Grits oh all my the time. God, they, they, they ran that into the ground. Well, the little kids like to say it. It's like Every the, TV show had to have a catchphrase. Dynamite. There you Kiss go. Kiss My Grits. Hey. <laughs> anyway, so Alice uh, Alice was okay. I like Vic Tabak. He was gruff. I, it was, I didn't love that show. Well, honestly, it wasn't a great show. I think as when I was little, I liked shows with changing scenery more. And I think I got bored when everybody was in the same spot all the time. So, well, it was a diner. It was exactly. It was a diner almost all the time. So, I I don't think when I was 10, I I dug that too much. They should have called it Mel's Diner. Fuck Alice. Yeah. Uh number 7, are you ready? Yeah. Or did you want to say something about no, Mash? I'm good. Okay. Oh, MASH? Yeah. No, everyone knows MASH is the best. Okay. Number seven. 
Little House on the Prairie. Oh yeah, how, how is that more popular than MASH? Well, who's voting on this? People in the 70s or people now? These were the top rated primetime shows. Back then? Yes. All right. Uh, oh, you know what? This is the thing. Yeah. MASH was a little too uh, graphic. Well, I think and, MASH uh, enjoyed little, its number one man, times. Just man. this particular year, it was not number one. A little too close to the... Oh, okay. Go on. Number uh, Little House in the Prairie was... Uh, an hour long. It was based on a popular children's. Uh, I did not like it one bit. Oh, you didn't? No, it bored the shit out of me. Oh, I liked like, it. I a found lot. nothing that I liked about it. I liked it a lot. Too many girls. But I did. <laughs> I didn't love Nellie Olson. She made me very anxiety ridden because she was such a bad girl. She was very, very, very bad. I feel like it was a ripoff of the Waltons. I mean. The Little House in the Prairie books, I mean, I read them as a little kid, so it mm. wasn't, you know, maybe maybe the Waltons made it okay to do a period piece, I guess, but Little House in the Prairie was... Waltons uh, is the Little House on... Well, I'm sorry, what? Little House in the Prairie was a established series gotcha. prior to the Like TV the Hardy show. Boys. Exactly. Which was I liked a lot more. Number four. The Hardy Boys. We've got... No. We've oh. got a three-way tie... Uh-huh. 60 Minutes. Ah, uh, no no count. Charlie's Angels. Okay. And All in the Family. Whoa, really? So, uh, I just all will, right. I was just going to say, in 1977, I was all about Charlie's Angels. Well, let me ask you something. Uh-huh. What do you like more, All in the Family or Charlie's Angels? Today or back then? Back then, you like... Charlie's I told you, Angels. I like Charlie's Angels better. Now you realize what our, All in the Family is. All right, well. No, I don't. You know what? Again, All in the Family, I thought it was funny when I was 10, but again, they didn't change the scenery a lot. Uh-huh. That is a real... You must have liked Rockford Files. I loved Rockford Files. That was a lot of scenery change. Plus, I, they had an angel. They, I love, are you kidding me? I loved Jim Rockford with my whole heart. I loved him. All right. So, uh... Yeah, I don't. I got. I was easily bored by the background, and uh. So Charlie's Angels. That's pretty much a groundbreaking show in a weird way. Three chicks doing all these crazy battling things and being good at stuff. It was great. It was great. Much better show than uh, Alice. Yes. Yes. Alice is like a shitty show. Well, see, this is the thing. Alice is a half-hour comedy, and Charlie's Angels was like a. You know, a, a drama with co- comic uh, moments, I guess. This was number two? No, there were these three, 60 Minutes, Charlie's Angels, and All the Family one. were... No. Number three. We're all tied for number four. Number four. I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, I know. All right, so 60... What's number three? Number three is Three's Company. Okay. That was in the, its prime right then, I think. Yes. Uh, you're telling me that uh, real people is on this list? I'm telling you... That's th- incredible. That this is the top 10, and those... I'll tell you that Soap is number 13 that year. Whoa, man. Not in my house. The Waltons was number 20. Oh, yeah. Uh, Welcome, back. Welcome Back Cotter was 26. What? What so, was number... All right, what's number three? I just told what's you... What's number two, I mean? 
Did you have anything to say about Three's Company? Love Three's Company. Very funny show, I thought, at the time. But, of course, it was. I also knew that it was a crappy show. Yeah. A very funny, crappy show because it has Norman Fell, mm-hmm. who was brilliant. Yes. And then Don Knotts, who wasn't too shabby himself. No. So, Larry the Neighbor, uh-huh. great cast. I loved, I loved the whole cast, yes. So, I, I liked it. I liked it. And I, I liked the theme song. Yes, but I didn't love when they... when when. Chrissy Snow left, and they started bringing in. Like, oh yeah, then it jumped a shark, as they say. The carousel of blondes that you know, it was never going to be as good. And uh, the Regal Beagle, okay. Okay, yeah, that one had enough scene changes because it was sometimes they were in the kitchen, sometimes they were in the living room, sometimes they were at uh, the Ropers. The Ropers. Sometimes they were at the Regal Beagle. See, that had enough changes for me. Seventy-seven. Okay. Number two. Yeah. Are you ready? Barney Miller. Not Barney Miller. Barney Miller was number 17 that year. All right. Number two, yeah. Happy Days. Oh, that is a happy day. Well, I, I, in 1977, I liked Happy Days. That was the year that I liked Happy Days. It was? Yeah, I liked it then. Yeah, I liked it It was still too. good. It was fresh. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Every, I think everyone liked Happy Days. That's why it's number two. It might have been one of my favorite shows at the time. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was like a, I can't miss Happy uh, Days. I think it was on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on Channel 7. Okay. What do you think of them apples? Maybe. All right. Uh, and then after it, they put on Laverne and Shirley. Which is our number one. What the fuck, man? <laughs> really? Laverne and Shirley, number one. Yeah, they had them back to back. They, or am I mistaken? No, they had them back to back, I think, for a while. Maybe eventually they got their own nights. I don't recall offhand, but Laverne and Shirley just beating out Happy Days in 77. Uh, Laverne and Shirley with a 31.6 rating and Happy Days with a 31.4. Gary Marshall rocking it. Yeah, and honestly, uh, ABC really pretty much dominating the top 10. Yeah, ABC was number one there for a little while. And then they have number one, two, and three. And then they also had Charlie's Angels. They also had... Um, they had ABC Radio, which was also probably number one. Okay. I think it was still doing music then. Yes. that's We did a whole show about yes. radio. Uh, anyway, so ABC also had How the West Was Won, Eight is Enough, Soap, Love Boat. Wide World of Sports. Monday Night Football, Fantasy Island, Barney Miller. Monday Night Football they had. That was big for them. Sunday Night Movie, Monday Night Movie, The Incredible Hulk, Family, Welcome Back, Cotter. So they had quite a bit of the entries here on this top 30 list. But uh, yeah, this was uh, 1977, uh, Nielsen Media Research. All right. That's it for the media for the 77. I was going to go into uh, news and stuff. Uh, Let's see. Apple Computer Incorporated in 1977. Uh, The world's first personal computer, the Commodore PET, is demonstrated at the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago. Gary Gilmore executed by firing squad in Utah. A familiar, familiar name. What did he do again? Well, the man who said Utahns don't want executions was proved wrong today. Gary Gilmore was shot to death by a firing squad. Bill Brown reports from the prison. 
They said he had a death wish, but Gary Gilmore didn't. He explained that if forced to choose between years in prison and swift execution, he would take death. Today, Utah gave him his choice. At five minutes after eight o'clock in the morning, five civilian riflemen, none of them law officers, shot the murderer through the heart. Gilmore became the first criminal executed in this country in almost 10 years. Gary Gilmore brutally murdered two young men, and now he's paid the full price demanded by society. But the controversy over capital punishment that he began will not end with his death. Bill Brown, Newswatch 2, the Utah State Prison. His life and execution were the subject of the 1979 nonfiction non novel, The Executioner's Song, by Norman Mailer, and 1982 TV film of the novel starring Tommy Lee Jones as Gilmore. Yeah. All right. So, Sounds like a low life, no, no big deal criminal. And for some reason, he's famous. Well, he's a piece of shit who uh, got what he deserved in the end. Um, but you were right about the uh, son of Sam, David Berkowitz, was arrested in uh, August of 77. Good evening. David Berkowitz, 24 years old, a postal worker, walked out of his Yonkers apartment last night, turned the ignition key in his car, and found himself surrounded by police. Well, he said, you got me. Police say those words ended the biggest manhunt in New York City history with the capture of Son of Sam. After more than 13 months of following thousands of leads down endless blind alleys, the detectives of the Brooklyn Omega Squad, part of that 300 cop 44 killer manhunt, captured the man they say is Son of Sam. The ice-cold trail heated up suddenly during the past week. A Brooklyn woman who saw a car parked illegally and occupied by a strange-looking man moments before she heard the shots of the last Son of Sam attack finally contacted police. The man came towards me, and he looked me straight in the face. He looked at my dog, and right here, we, we crossed each other. So he had his arms straight down. He had a long thing, like a bell sticking up his sleeve. And uh, he made a left turn. I heard a boom. I didn't know he was a killer. I didn't know he looked nice. Police transported David Berkowitz from headquarters to Brooklyn Central Booking. After my sources say, he confessed to being the 44 killer. After he told them he was a killing machine, ordered by a voice speaking through a neighbor's dog, carry out his bloody outrages against young pretty women. Who was obsessed with, uh, what's her name? From Taxi Driver. Oh, I think, was that Berkowitz? Or was, was that Mark I... David Chapman? Uh, oh, no, it was Hinckley Jr. Oh. John Hinckley Jr., the guy who shot... Uh, Reagan? Reagan, yes. Gotcha. Which was not in 1977. <laughs> August 16, 1977, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, dies in his home in Graceland at age 42. Good evening. Elvis Presley died today. He was 42. Apparently, it was a heart attack. He was found at his home in Memphis, not breathing. His road manager tried to revive him. He failed. A hospital tried to revive him. It failed. His doctor pronounced him dead at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The end at an early age of one of the two most spectacular careers in the history of American entertainment, the other being Frank Sinatra's. The very symbol of sex for all of the millions or hundreds of thousands of teenagers was married only once, and then relatively late. The couple had one child, a daughter, 
The marriage did not last very long. It ended in divorce. That was monumental. It was a huge <clears throat> deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The Voyager program is launched. The Voyager team of engineers and scientists spent seven years designing and planning for the exploration of Jupiter and Saturn. The spacecraft are endowed with intricate logic systems and, when necessary, can make their own decisions without contact from Earth. They carry instruments for 11 science investigations of the outer planets and their moons. The radio link with Earth is channeled through a large dish-shaped antenna that dominates the spacecraft. Two television cameras are the eyes of the spacecraft. They can be aimed with great precision. These instruments detect the unseen forces that swirl around these distant worlds. Now the Voyager is so far from us now at this point. It's been it's been on the go for what is it, 40, 50 years or whatever. And it's still transmitting back here. Four decades later and Voyager 1 is almost 21 billion kilometers away from us in interstellar space. It is the farthest human-made object from Earth. The slightly slower Voyager 2 is currently at the outermost edge of our solar system. Voyager 1's mission has included flybys of Jupiter and Saturn. Both space probes carry an audiovisual disc in the event it's ever found by other intelligent life forms and carries greetings in 55 different languages. How is it doing that? Where is it? It's far the fuck away. Well, I don't know. It's out of our solar system. It's interstellar, they say. But how, how in 1977 were they able to come up with something that transmits back that far? I mean, the moon is a big deal, but this thing is fucking far the fuck out. How do they power it for that long? It's got solar power. But they... They say that by 2025, it's going to be too far away to have any power. And then it'll just be gone? We'll never get it back? Oh, it's never gonna, it was never destined to come back. So what, it just flies around and crashes into something and causes problems or something somewhere else? It just, it's, it's, I don't think it's ever hit anything. It just is straight. It's it never going to hit anything? No. I mean, it hasn't in all these years, but it's just it's just traveling and traveling until it it is no longer able to use uh, energy from. I guess I don't want to say the sun, but maybe just radiation in general, some sort of radiation. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Very interesting. How is that 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 was done? How is it that that's possible and from nineteen seventy seven? I don't know. All right. Uh, Bad Out of Hell was released in 77. Huh. But that became huge in 78. I see. Let's see. Roots begins its phenomenally successful run on ABC. Tonight, we present a landmark in television entertainment. Roots. The true story Alex Haley uncovered in his 12 years' search across the seven generations of his ancestry. After two years of production, we present this incredible saga in an epic motion picture. Roots, starring Ben Vereen, Edward Asner, Lorne Green, Cicely Tyson, 
O.J. Simpson, Linda Day George, Chuck Connors, John Amos, Leslie Uggams, Lloyd Bridges, Burl Ives, Louis Gossett Jr., Vic Morrow, George Stanford Brown, Ralph Waite, and introducing LeVar Burton as Kunta Kinte. Now, we are proud to present the triumph of an American family, Roots. That wasn't in the top ten. I guess because it wasn't a show, it was a miniseries, so uh, maybe they're not. Uh, did you watch that? Uh, some of it. I don't recall really following it very well at that age. I didn't pay much attention to it. Well, we only had one TV, so I kind of, during prime time, I was kind of forced to watch whatever they were watching. So they were definitely watching that. And uh, not long after, I read the book, which was totally inappropriate for somebody who was, you know, 11 or however old I was when I read it. Totally inappropriate. Totally, uh, it's, you know, it's dirty. It's got dirty parts to it. Yeah, I never read it. Yeah, don't let your kid read it. Um, all right. So... This has been episode 102 of the Mac podcast. If you feel like you've missed 101 other episodes and just cannot wait to hear them, I insist that you head over to macpodcast.com where you can find all of those episodes just waiting, just waiting for you to hit play. Uh, We also have an online radio station that was having some weird trouble. Like it was being flagged by some, uh, like if you have Bitdefender or something on your computer, our, our, our radio station was being flagged. Not anymore. Uh, I contacted Bitdefender and it could be that whoever owned the URL before us yeah. might've been doing weird shit. I don't even know, but if you go to macradio.com, there's, Nothing wrong with it. I, uh, either somebody before us had something wacky or it was just a glitch in the matrix because I, Bitdefender has a thing where you can send in your website and say, hey, this is being flagged for no reason, and they look into it, and it was almost immediately unflagged. Like They were like, oh, there's nothing wrong here. So uh, We have an online radio station, and it's a lot of fun. It's music from both of our collections. And uh, one of these days, we're going live on that station. Right, Dave? Yeah, perhaps it might happen. Uh-huh. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, no. You want to wrap it up with something about 1977? 1977 was all about skateboarding and uh, skateboarding. Yeah? Is that what you were really Skateboarding into? was big in 1977. Skateboarder magazine. That's what I remember. Did you buy it or did you have a uh, subscription? I had a subscription. Wow. I didn't like them apples. Did you go skateboarding? I did. I went skateboarding. We would go to skateboard parks. There was the Northport Pipeline. Where's that? That was in Northport, Long Island. Yeah. And they had a 90-foot half pipe at the Nanuet Mall. How did you get there? 
I don't recall, but I did hang out with friends who were older than me. So, or my parents would drop us off. Really? Yeah. And then there was one in Staten Island, too, that was uh, outdoor, but it had a dome-type thing like they have on the tennis courts. So your parents would drive you to Nanuet or yes, Staten yes. Island? Yes, There was one in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, that was like the best skateboard park on the East Coast. Wow. And there was one, I believe we went to Vernon Valley. They had one there, Action Park, had a little skateboard park for a little while. And now, would your parents stay and watch, or would they go about and do other stuff, or go home, or? Uh, I think they would drop us off and come back, that kind of thing. Well, that's cool. That's uh, fun. Uh, yeah, skateboard parks were amazing back then. Were you wearing helmets and stuff? Yeah, or? we wore helmets and wrist pads and knee pads. That's cool. And elbow pads. And what? Elbow pads. Oh. Could easily break your wrist. Did you ever break anything doing that? No. And the word radical was was cool back then. It didn't mean like a revolution. It wasn't like rules for radicals. It was just rad. Radical was, you know, when you did a good skateboard move. It wasn't taking down the fucking government. Well, there you go. Although in the 60s it was. But by the 70s it just became like skateboarding. Right. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. See? What else we got? Oh. Nothing. That's it. Let's get the hell out of here. Boom. Boom. Okay. When you make it seem like you're anxious for the show to end, it it kind of makes Oh, I thought we were wrapping well, it up. He doesn't want to be here. Why should I listen to it? Shush, we're wrapping it up. Right. Look at that cat. Perfectly perched. You guys don't see it? Come on, imagine a cat on a chair. He's perched. Boom. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you are interested in hearing Dave's opinions on songs, short form Dave is, uh, there are many, many videos up on the YouTube channel. There are, Dave is, people seem to want to hear Dave's opinions on music. We have no shortage of suggestions. I have a notebook filled with them and once a week or so I play some music videos for Dave and he gives his reactions, his honest reactions. Sometimes uh, those are a little bit hurtful to some people and they downvote. <laughs> they downvote in mass. Brett. You see the ones we haven't played. Yeah, there are or several. There are several I have not put up because Dave will think, uh, Dave says, oh, you know what, let's not put that one up. So, uh, so head over to our YouTube channel. Um, you can get there by way of the macpodcast.com site. There is a link to all of Dave's reaction videos. All right. This has been fun, and this has been our episode all about 1977. See you next time, America. Take it east.